Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of Baby Steps. I'm Scott. And this week is uh it's it's, it's an interesting topic. Uh <clears throat> you know, started off the week you know, kind of early week just uh doing something that I know I shouldn't do, but I did it anyway and I just realized I just continually have done that sort of thing throughout my life where I know it's wrong, I know it's hindering my progress, but I just do it anyway. And it really led to a lot of deep thought, a lot of self-reflection, just kind of looking at things, looking at me, looking how I feel, why do I do, you know, everything. And... What I've realized, and it's it, it's almost comical to say this, because obviously part of this is I'm my own worst enemy. I constantly try to trip myself up. And again, it goes back to episode one where I talk about a dream that I had. Where, you know, it's a dark hallway, but there's a bright light at the end of the hallway. I go through the door. Voice tells me, come in here and you'll see who has been the cause of your problems. And when I go, there's a mirror and it's me looking right back at myself. And, and it's so true. And, you know, a lot of people in this world and including <clears throat> people have tried to help me. You know, thought that I had a fear of failure. You know, you get that goal, but you're just so struck with fear of messing up. And the funny thing with me was that's never really been an issue. I've had goals, I've had dreams, I've had... And failing was never really the fear. This is where it's interesting. Knowing if you've listened to this show, someone like me who has built their whole life on winning, getting wins, being the best, be doing this, doing that, win, 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 that the core root of my problems has been I'm afraid of actually succeeding. And obviously I've had a few days to think about this, so I've, I've you know, gotten used to the idea. But just, just th think about that. Everybody wants to succeed at something. And my biggest fear that's holding me back is succeeding. And you're probably thinking, well, what does it have to do with your walk with God? I'll get there. Because it does. It plays a big factor into it. But it kind of led me down the, the rabbit hole of going back through my life and looking at things. And the more I looked at stuff and how I how I made decisions and how I did what I did or how what I didn't do. And it just all added up to it. And then it's like, well, what caused this? What are some things... There's had to have been something that happened that caused this. <clears throat> and 
I think I can attribute it to three instances. The first one was back in junior high. Uh, it was seventh grade basketball. Uh, my school, we had a lot of kids that played basketball. Enough to where we had two different teams, and each team had an A, B, and a C team. And obviously, A was your best, B was your second best, third was supposedly your 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 lower tier guys. So I started for the C team, but I also played a little bit during the B games, and then I sat on the bench during the A games. So I was a part of the A team, but I never played. So I was a pretty decent player. And remember, we always had time before pra- before practice started where we could, you know, just shoot around, do whatever. And I always tried to play, you know, one-on-one with the A-team guys. Most of them never really wanted to play. And one day, I finally got one of them to play, and he was one of the better players on the team. He was a starter, <clears throat> probably the best athlete I've ever been around, even in seventh grade. This this kid was off the charts. And I remember we started, and if you've ever listened to athletes, they talk about being in the zone where it just you, everything just seems to click and everything goes perfectly. And that's what this, this day happened. Everything happened. <clears throat> Every shot I shot went in. Played defense on him. He couldn't do anything against me. I was absolutely destroying this kid. And I remember at one point, I'm just like, wow, I'm actually going to beat him. And I remember like thinking, well, it's got to be almost time for practice to start. Coach is about to blow his whistle any second now, and I win. And I remember looking over at the coach, and he's, you know, was doing something. I was like, huh. And something in me decided to stop. Stop trying. Started doing things to let him back into the game. And ultimately, I ended up letting him win. I think he won by one basket. That was right before the coach blew the whistle. And I guarantee, further ask him today, he would not remember that day. And it probably meant nothing to him then. But it meant a lot to me. And I remember telling people about this later on, and they're just like, well, why'd you let him win? And even to this day, I can't figure out why. But think about it. You're playing a game against someone. What is the goal? What is the success? To win. What didn't I do? Win because I let someone else win. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with letting someone win. You're playing with little kids or a sibling or something like that. It's okay to let them win every once in a while. But from that day forward, I never let anyone win. Like I said, it's a it's kind of a joke, but I would have tackled my own grandma. 
I cheated at a church youth group Christmas party to win a puzzle making contest. I <clears throat> the the best story I could example of this was it was high school, and it was during the summer. And one of my friends, he's like, "Hey, my girlfriend and her friend want to play some basketball." I'm like, "Okay, fine, let's." You know, and on our way over there, he's like, okay, but we need to let them win. And I'm just like, what? It's like, yeah, we need to let them win. I'm like, I'm not letting anyone win. <clears throat> so we start the game, and I play normal. I play how I normally would, thinking he would be there to help me. And, you know, every time I pass him the ball, he'd screw up. And, you know, one thing led to another, and we ended up losing. Man, I was mad. Because again, going back to 7th grade, I let someone win and I never did that. If someone beat me because they were better or I messed up, that's fine. But I never openly let someone win ever again. I never let my sister win. and It even goes to my daughter Alexis, playing video games with her. I never let her win. I didn't. I wouldn't absolutely destroy her and stuff, but I'd never let her win. So I was. I was extremely mad at this point because I knew he he purposely let them win, and I would have been okay just being mad. But then the two girls started talking trash about them winning. And that just threw me over the top. I remember walking home with him, and I'm just like, we're never letting them win again. <clears throat> so then the next day, he's like, hey, they want to play us again. I'm like, okay, but I'm not letting anyone win. And he goes, no, we're going to let them win. He's like, D dude, you have to let them win. <clears throat> if we demolish them, because we're way better than both of them, She's going to be mad at me. I'm like, I don't care. Boxer is more color, colorful language. I can clean it up to saying, screw you. We're going to win if I have to do it myself. So the game started and <clears throat> I went complete try hard mode. And I barely passed him the ball. And I ran all over the place. And basically, I demolished both of them by myself. Did I feel any better? Yeah, probably. I can't remember my feelings at that time. But I know I felt decent enough to know that I didn't let anyone win. He was mad at me. The two girls were mad at me. So it's just kind of one of those things where that's one of those instances where I let someone win and it just started to affect my life down the road to where I didn't let anyone win anything. I remember with my with my wife Annie, we started playing the Pokemon card game. And we'd have fun. Until one night when I lost. And we'd play with her daughter and then I lost and started losing. And then that, well, you can't lose, Scott. You can't lose at anything. So what did I do? I started doing research, and I started learning, and I built my deck to the point to where 
Neither one of them could come anywhere close to beating me. Became It became not fun, and they stopped playing. And that's kind of significant. You're like, well, gee, Scott, it's just a card game. But it's significant to a point of my actions affected two other people, affected their enjoyment of something that was just supposed to be fun. So that's instance one. The two other instances are, I've had a lot of dreams and goals in my life. Most of them were so big, so there wasn't anybody that that could achieve those. But there were two that I actually got to. The first one, and I've mentioned it, was tennis. My sophomore year, te- or my sophomore year of high school, I decided to go out for the tennis team. I didn't know how to play tennis the right way. And, you know, stupid me at that time trying to conquer the world. It's like, well, I can't just be on the tennis team. And being on the varsity team, that isn't much of a goal. What is the goal? <clears throat> and for some reason, I started going back through the history and realized no male had ever played for the conference title in singles. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that was my goal. In three years, I was gonna I was gonna go from not knowing how to play tennis to playing for the conference title. Not exactly an easy goal to get to. And I did it. I drove myself. My, my parents, everyone around me, I drove everyone insane. I pushed my body to points to where my body wasn't created to go there. <clears throat> but I did it. In my senior year of high school, because I remember too, I remember telling my mom after something because I was crying. There was a lot of crying during during those three years too. And she's like, what's the big deal? And I go, if I don't do this, then I've wasted three years of my life. Because I thought if I did this, it was going to bring me a lot of of recognition. So there's, there's a couple things that happen here. So we get to the senior year. I win my first round match. Was unseated. Are ranked for for people that don't. I go into my next match, number one ranked player in my tournament. He was ranked in the Missouri Valley region. Super good player. I end up beating him <clears throat> to get to the finals. I get to the finals and just get demolished by the number two ranked guy, who wasn't as good. As the number one ranked guy was still was pretty decent, and I came up with every mistake or every excuse in the book as to why that happened. And ultimately, what it comes down to is, and it's so funny again, someone who has based their whole life around winning. If you remember, my goal was to play for the championship. When you enter a tournament, everyone's goal is to win the championship. My goal was just to play for it. So when I won that semifinal match, I knew I was playing for the championship. Goal reached. After that, 
it was almost like I didn't care about the championship match. And it showed. <clears throat> and I hated losing. But when I lost that match and walked off the court, I didn't care. Because the only thing that I knew was I had done it. I was the first guy in school history to do it. And and you know that playing sports in, in school, you want your name announced over, over the during the announcements in the morning, over the PA system. And I was like, finally. And that was the whole goal of this. We get the Monday morning. They start doing, like, announcements of, like, sports stuff. And they don't mention me. And suddenly you realize, at that point, nobody gave a crap about that but me. All that effort, all that blood, sweat, tears, pain... <coughs> Driving myself insane for three years to get to that one moment that really doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. But it was my whole world, and it came crashing down. The only person that cared was my Spanish teacher, and that was because my junior year, he was the coach of the tennis team. And he was happy for me. But otherwise, nobody cared. Nobody knew. Our local newspaper, who would put our tennis results in every once in a while, didn't even put that in the paper. So all that effort, all that time to get to the goal, and really, if you look at it, true success would have been to win the dang championship. But my goal was just to get there. The third instance was after my freshman year of high school. I got cut from the basketball team. And I remember my mom asked me, she's like, so what are you going to do now? Probably not going to make the Probably not going to get a college scholarship or make the pros. Um, what are you going to do now? <clears throat> and the local sports radio station, KJOC, I go, oh, well, just get a job and, and, and do a talk show at KJOC. That was 1994. By 2001... I had been working at KJOC for two years, and I had a talk show. You say, well, what's wrong with that, Scott? Well, here's the issue, and here's what, here's what stopped me. True success would have been you achieve this goal, enjoy it, be blessed by it. At the time, uh, the Quad Cities, which if you're not familiar with uh, the Midwest, the Quad Cities is four cities separated by the Mississippi River. Two on the Iowa side, two on the Illinois side. The Quad City radio market at that time 
was the top 150 market in the United States. So to be 20, 21 years old doing a talk show, even though it was a tiny station and a top 150 market, is a huge accomplishment. I was running the station at the time. So actually, that was all fine. Did my show, had a good following, people loved me. Here's where the fear of success comes in. Because obviously that part of me was like, wasn't completely fulfilled. It's like, okay, now you've made it here. Now let's make that move to a bigger station, a bigger city. Can't just stay in Davenport your whole life, Scott. You want to be on ESPN. You want to do this, you want to do that. Here's a simple question. In any industry, if you want a job or you want a promotion, what's the one thing you have to do? I'll give you a second. If you're saying you need to apply for that job or apply for that promotion, dummy, you're right. Guess what 21-year-old Scott didn't do? Send out resumes and tapes for their jobs, except for one. It was a station, brand new station in South Carolina. Talked to the, talked to the lady who was the supposed owner of the station. They were going to build the whole sports around me. I was going to have my talk show. I was going to do play-by-play. And then I just stopped hearing from her. Last I I heard on it was that the funding or whatever that they were fell through. But otherwise, I never applied for another job anywhere else. And then after a couple years, the company that owned KJOC decided, we don't want a sports station anymore. We're going to turn it into a news station. Scott, you're really not needed there anymore. In the Quad Cities, there was two companies that owned stations. So after that, I went to the other company. They had a sports station, but they didn't want to do a a local sports show. They weren't interested. So I did behind-the-scenes work, worked overnights, did some stuff there for about a year. And then the uh, station manager, who, absolutely great guy, guy helped me out a ton. He's like, you know... I try. I did try out for one of their morning shows. Knocked it out of the park. And I remember I went into his office. He's like, you did everything right. We'd be stupid not to hire you for that job. But the issue is the demographics for that station. We can't have a morning show with two guys on it. We have to have a female voice to hit the female demographic. We're sorry. We hired someone. I go, oh, well, it must have been someone from the building. I'm like, no, she has no radio experience at all. I didn't show it in his office. Man, I was mad. But then he followed up with, but I'm going to do everything that I can 
to get you a job somewhere else because you deserve it. And unfortunately, we've had the same staff here for eight years. People are well taken care of. Nobody's going to leave. That's when I moved to Oskaloosa to work at KBOE Radio. But again, you kind of put all this together of Scott wants to win, win, win. I reached the goal at KJOC, and then, yeah, but we need more. We need to be bigger, need to be bigger. But I don't do what I need to do to get to that goal. <coughs> and the same thing happened in Oskaloosa. I was loved there. People loved me. I was having fun when I wasn't driving myself crazy. But again, you need to be bigger. You want to work at ESPN. You want to be doing games for ESPN. You want to do your talk show and all this and all that. And I never once applied for another job. Not once. And then when it came down to radio or knowing my daughter Alexis, well, the decision was easy. I left radio. And again, that's where it led to a lot of my mental health issues. But even then, at some of those jobs, I was actually good at them. But I wouldn't put my full effort in. I'd start cutting corners. And then I'd get fired or my mental would break down and then I would just start making myself sick and just not go to work and then get fired. So again, it kind of goes all the way back to seventh grade, letting someone win where you're like, well, that shouldn't be that huge of a deal, but you can kind of see where things add up. So I was never afraid of failing. I thought there wasn't any way that I couldn't figure it out or outwork to get to where I wanted to go. And if you fully look at it, the tennis goal and the job at KJOC, I went after those goals ferociously. If you would have seen the stuff I put myself through, especially for tennis... 95, 100 degree days. I'm out there playing three or four hours. I'm, I'm absolutely destroying myself in practices to the point to where my clothes are clinging to me because I'm almost so sweaty. Sometimes I literally almost had to crawl home. Because I just absolutely destroyed myself mentally and physically. But I reached the goal, even though fundamentally the goal was flawed, but I reached the goal. It was the same thing with the KJAC thing. I got into radio. I got into that station to do behind-the-scenes stuff, and I was there all the time. Whatever job you wanted to give me, I was doing it. I was missing birthdays, holidays, doing this, doing that, not having really much of a social life. But the goal got accomplished. 
I got the show. But again, it was the steps. And through both of those, nothing wrong with hard work. Nothing wrong with that. The problem was, is that in both of those processes, I truly turned into a bad person. I talked behind people's back. I was a complete jerk to people. I was this. I was that. It. I really was not fun to be around. And I'm sure, as my parents, they didn't have fun with me either through any of that. And you're like, okay, well, that's fine. But what does this have to do with your walk with God? And it's very simple... And it's a very simple illustration. Or, I guess you say illustration. I I have never felt this close to God in my life. But I haven't gone all in. I went all in with all that other stuff that I just talked to you about. But I haven't gone all in. Now there are reasons... But in the simplest term, I am at the door. I have my hand on the door handle. You know how some doors have like a window you can look in? I'm looking in the window on the other side. I see God. I see everyone. see everyone enjoying the, the blessings and the peace in their life and, and everything that, that comes with it. Sure, there's bad times. But I'm seeing all of that. I've felt some of it already. And God's there at the door. He's like, Come in, Scott. I've been waiting for you. Instead of turning the turning the doorknob and opening the door and walking through, I stand there with my hand on the doorknob saying, That sounds great, but I can't. Because I'm scared. For the last almost five years of my life, I haven't been chasing fame, I haven't been chasing glory, I haven't been chasing any of the things that I did all of my life up to that point. All I've been trying to chase is peace and rest and to be Scott. And I'm standing at the door. I'm right there. And it's like, this sounds all good, God, but you know what? I'd rather sit on this other side of darkness and be miserable because that's all I've ever known. And if your family members of mine listen to this, this is nothing against anyone in my family. My parents loved me. They did everything they could for me. But I'm sorry. Deep down inside, I have not been a happy person most of my life. 
I've been married twice. Sorry. And I and I've talked with both of them and I've gone over everything, but I there there was not a lot of happiness in me. I have had bits and pieces of happiness. Not, or not have peace. But it scares me. Because I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what it is I have to do. From my tennis goal, I knew what I had to do. I had to outwork everybody. Put in the time. Put in the effort. Sweat. Pain. Agony. Whatever it took to get my skill level to a point to where I could do it. You can't compare the two because they're different. But my mind does not know. Okay, God, what if I come through that door? What do I have to do? I know you want me to know you. You want me to be in the Word. You want... What is that, though? Is it one hour, two hours, 15 minutes, a half hour? What if I read my Bible for 15 minutes, but I do something else for two hours? Are you going to be mad at me because I didn't put in the put in more time? That, that peace, that, that what I've longed for for five, well, probably longer than five years. But for the most part, yeah, it's been the main goal for the last five freaking years. And I'm so close to it. But I can't step through that darn door because it scares me because I don't know. What if it's taken away from me? Does God do that? I, I, I don't think so. My belief is no. Hey, thanks for walking through the door, but I'm going to take this from you. Willie, if I mess up? How do I have to be if I walk through that door? Part of that got answered today. Again, record this on Sunday night. Pastor Dave, uh, in his sermon, said something that shedded a lot of light on. He's like, you know, God cares about the character. It's about transformation. And I always thought that transformation meant everything had to change. The passion, the, the, the undying will, all of that had to go. And it just all slapped me in the face this morning. That didn't have to go. God gave me that because he wanted to use that for something. 
I gave you this because I want to use it. At some point, I'm going to need to use it. And I thought it was so bad that I've pushed it so far down inside me, it's hard to... It's hard if I... I don't know if I'll ever be able to bring it back. But it's about the character, and I look at it. The will, the desire, the passion, the... What made that bad was what it did to my character. I was a bad... I, I gossiped, I slandered, I did this, I did that. I'm different now. I don't do those sort of things anymore. I can still be that and have that, but not have the rest of it. So that's part of it. Part of it out of the way. I now know I can actually be me. That was given to me. I don't know how it's going to be used. Maybe I never will know how it's going to be used. But it's there to be used for something. Something for good. Something that does not involve me. But still... What does it look like? What does it feel like? I see it. Pastor Dave talks about it all the time. How his life changed. Other people in church I, I've seen. It's like it's all there right in front of me. But still it's like. But I don't know what that's going to feel like. even in relationships man again I've been married twice and I've already talked to both of them about this so if they if they listen to it again I and both of them would agree both of those relationships it wasn't the kind of love that's supposed to last a lifetime I have an idea what that's like. And again, call me crazy. But it revolves around another dream. But I only talk about these because these were profound because they brought out emotions. A lot of times you have dreams, but they don't do this like this one. It was me and a woman. No face, no name. And I could feel it. And maybe it's a metaphor for something else. Maybe I don't know. But But that person that dream they I loved them and they loved me and it was just this it was just different and I remember it ended with me telling them that I loved them and right before I said their name I woke up and I remember 
for a few minutes, I didn't know where I was at. I looked around and looked around and realized I was in my room. And as my, you know, my senses came back to me, my head came back to me. For the rest of that day, I was so depressed. Because to my knowledge, that person didn't exist. And if they did, I don't know who they are. I don't know where they are. I don't know if I'll ever meet them. And it's also going to the church that I go to. There are a lot of families there. And I see it with them. I see how they interact with each other. You could just tell it's there. And I know it's not, you're not supposed to look at other people like that, but it's just like, where do I find that? And again, it's bad, but sometimes, like, why can't I have that? Maybe if I get that, if I open the door. Maybe I find out more about that. Maybe this dream is just a metaphor for God's love of me. Like, we had a picnic at church today, and it was the happiest I've been in a long time. Peaceful. Because I had people around me that I knew that cared. From day one, I stepping foot in that church. Broken me. They've treated me like I've gone to church there for 20 years. It's like, yeah, you're you're part of us now. But still with all of that, I won't turn the damn knob and open the door. Because I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. I've never been good with relationships. Friendships or otherwise. And this is a very different type of relationship because it's a relationship with with the God that created everything. And that's what true fear of success is in a nutshell. There are millions of people around the world that suffer from this. Because they don't know. What if? 
What if? What if you apply for that other job? What if you go for that promotion? What if you... What if you just do the best you possibly can at your job every day? What if, turn the knob, open the door, you know, I finally did it, God, here I am. I know it took me too long, but I'm all yours. What if? I appreciate the support of this show. Any listen is a great listen. You can hear the show on anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Look up the name Baby Steps. My name is Scott Daly. There's another show with it. You want to look for the one with Scott Daly. Listen to the show on Spotify under the name Baby Steps. You can also listen to it on Google Podcasts. If you're a Facebook friend of mine or want to, look me up. Scott Daly, D-A-I-L-E-Y. I'm from Knoxville, Iowa. Friend me on Facebook. I post the link every week. I record these on Sundays, mostly Sunday night. And they go up on Sunday. Probably doesn't hit Spotify and Google till the next day, maybe the day after. But look me up on Facebook. Give me a comment. Email me. Scott Daly. S-C-O-T-T. D-A-I-L-E-Y, the number seven at gmail.com. Questions, comments, support, anything. This show is to help me out, but it's not to get fame, not to get glory, not to get anything other than to get my story out there to help people that are on the same path as me. Again, thank you Thank you so much for those of you who have listened to this. Tell somebody. Tell a friend. Even if they don't know God. Tell them, hey, listen to this guy. I don't know all the answers. I'm not the greatest, but you know what? For someone new, they probably have the same questions as I do. We can work through it together. But again, thank you everyone, and I will talk to you next week.